1 Thessalonians chapter 3. We finally got out of chapter 2. I'm sorry I got bogged down in chapter 2, but I preached it twice. Amen. The gospel and the ministry. And it's the gospel ministry that we ought to be thrilled about. Realize that somebody brought you the gospel. Amen. And the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I meant to welcome the visitors before they went to the youth meeting, but I was glad to see Sarah brought so many visitors. And pray for this young man that's going in the military. Let's pray he gets saved back there. He's not saved. Amen. But I want to just uh, real quickly uh, uh, give you verses 1 through 10. Let's stand in honor of the Word of God. First Thessalonians chapter 3. Wasn't that a good testimony? And thank God you got a part in every soul that saved. By the way, there was one convert that I really questioned if you really got saved, and that was Tony Gozawa under your ministry. I don't know if he really got saved or called to preach or what, but uh, he's one of our dear friends. We love him to death, and he's, he's counting votes up in Pennsylvania right now. So uh, I hope he counts them right. <laughs> Amen. He's, no, he lives in Pennsylvania. And uh, he was saved and grounded and, and uh, just thrilled about being under Brother Alverson in Germany. I believe it was Germany, wasn't it? And uh, several preachers came out of that church. They're all around the world. Isn't that great? So we, we thank God for Brother Tony. The Bible says, Wherefore, when you could no longer forbear, we thought it good to be left at Athens alone. Now listen to this. And he sent Timotheus, or Timothy, our brother, and minister of God and our fellow laborer. Folks, it's not just fellow pew warmer. It's fellow laborer. Amen. In the gospel, here it is, in the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Is this on, brother? Okay, I hope it is. And it goes on to say that no man should be moved by these afflictions, very persecuted, for yourselves know that we were appointed thereunto. For verily, when you were with you, when we were with you, we told you before that you should suffer tribulation even as it came to pass, and you know. And for this cause... When I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter has tempted you, and our labor be in vain. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us the good tidings of your faith, God unline those two words, and charity, and that we have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in our affliction and distress by your faith. Amen. For now we live if we stand fast in the Lord. For what things can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherein we joy for your sakes before our God. And it says this, Night and day praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your you may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the good time of prayer. Lord, there's so many burdens, and Lord, only the grace of God can get us through the loss of a loved one. Even we know they're going to heaven, it still hurts. There's still an emptiness, God, that only you can feel. And God, we thank you for this beautiful passage of Scripture about a caring pastor who was under so much persecution that he couldn't come to his church, and he, and he sent his... Uh, young preacher that he'd been mentoring, that he'd been discipling, to check on him. And God, when he found the news, how it encouraged him about the strong faith of the church of Thessalonica. So God, 
Increase our faith and help us, Lord, to realize that uh, without you, we ain't going to make it. Without you, God, working, there'll be nothing done. So, Lord, please increase our faith and give us strong faith. We'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As I say often, Paul wrote many letters, and at the beginning of every letter, in the first paragraph of every letter, he commends three things, not nickels, not noses, and not facilities. But he commends three things that I believe is an evaluation of a strong church, and that is love, faith, and hope. Love, faith, and hope. That's the criteria for maturity. That is the criteria for a church to be evaluated by their uh, man of God. He was saying, and it's, he was saying, I appreciate and commend and thankful for your love, your faith, and your hope. Well, he, he went and continued that uh, because in verse 3 of chapter 1, we see faith and love and the patience of hope. And he says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, your patience of hope in our, in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. And verse 2 says, we give thanks to God always for you. And so, folks, God evaluates you by how much faith you have, how much love you have, and how much hope you have. And, folks, if there's ever a day we need strong faith, it's today. And so he, he couldn't get over that theme. And in chapter 3, he begins to, after he gives the certification of his ministry because everybody's persecuting him and, and talking about him and, and uh, hurting him and trying to defame him and trying to get him out of uh, leadership. And he, he got so bad he had to leave that he goes off to Corinth. And uh, it gets bad there. And folks, he's, look, he's usually looking for revival or a riot. Usually it was both. And it was the proper kind of riot. It was that uh, the devil was trying to fight his ministry. And folks, listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you're in the ministry over 10 minutes, you're going to find out that it's not a picnic and it's not some uh, party, but it's a warfare. We're in a warfare. And so he gives this uh, church, uh, these believers, an encouragement as they war against the devil. And I'm telling you, the devil raised his head by the religionists and by the citizens of that, of that town. And uh, folks, there was great persecution, intense persecution. Uh, I want you to, the passage has to do with faith. The faith of the Thessalonians. Their faith was strong. And Paul wanted to make sure that it remained strong. And he stressed their faith five times in these ten verses. Look at verse 2. The Bible says this, And he sent Timotheus, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow labor into the gospel of Christ to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Your faith. He wanted to comfort them, and he wanted to strengthen them in one area, their belief. Folks, we're called believers, and we need to get to believing, amen? And I'm telling you what, I am distraught about things that's went on in recent days in our country. Uh, I got at the point where I was mad, then I was sad, and then finally I got glad when I found out, praise God, uh, uh, that the Lord's in control and he's going to use this mess for his glory. And it might be that he's trying to get our attention and break us from our stubborn will and, help, and convict us of our sinfulness as a nation. And then we see in uh, verse 5, he said, he said this. He said, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith. Hey, folks, he's, he's in exile 
He's in hiding. He's running from the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all the other Cs. And I want to tell you something. He said, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it. I had to send my young preacher, and I had to come, and I wanted to say this. I wanted to say, uh, I want you to go on in faith and stand up against the tempter's temptation to recant, and I just wanted to find out about your faith. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter has tempted you. You ever want to quit? I want to tell you something. The devil's a master at discouragement. If he can't give you pride and get in the driver's seat and push down the gas where you're going crazy, he'll, he'll give you a flat tire and discourage your soul. I've been there, done that, and so have you. And folks, I want to tell you something. He received word of their faith and love was strong, verse 6. And he says, now when Timotheus came from you and us and brought us the good tidings of your faith. Didn't say the new building. Didn't say the many numbers that was attending. He said, it's just great to hear about your strong faith. Then verse 7, he comforted them. He said, therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our afflictions and distress by your faith. And then he said in verse 10, the whole reason for the letter, he said, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see our faith, that you might see your face. That's a pastor's heart, amen. He wants to see your face. And he might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So folks, five times in 10 verses, he's writing, hey, keep the faith, but don't just hold the fort, take new ground, win souls, uh, operate by faith, move by faith, and please God by faith. Folks, we can do nothing without Jesus, but folks, we need to please God, and that ought to be the supreme rule of our life and goal is to glorify God through faith. The one thing needed by Christian believers is strong faith. Faith that honestly knows Christ and knows what is to walk with Him and trust Him and to sense His care and sense His comfort and sense His strength. There's nothing like knowing God in an intimate way. And you come into Him by faith. The definition of prayer is found out found in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, coming unto Him, believing that He is, and there is a reward of them that diligently seek Him. But the first part of the verse is, without faith is impossible to please God. So many believers in Thessalonica had a strong faith, and it stands as a model for us. And so I just want to uh, give you a few th uh, things. And we can't put it on the wall, so put it in your heart. Uh, Paul had a concern for his church in verse 1 and 2, in, in way of introduction. Paul had to flee uh, by, for, for persecution's sake and thought it was uh, might ease up once he left, but it got worse because, folks, they weren't after Paul. They were after the gospel. They weren't offended by Paul. They were offended by Jesus. You go out and knock on doors. Uh, you might get cussed out. You might get told off. You might get a door slammed in your face. But I'll tell you something, friend. It's not you that they're after. It's who you represent. You're not that important. Amen. To get, I mean, you might get hurt, but the reason you get hurt is because you're representing him that convicts them of their sin and their righteousness and even of judgment. So Paul's practical endeavor was in verse 1 and 2. He sent Timothy. And then he had a passionate encouragement in verse 3 and 4. He said, no man should be moved by these afflictions for yourselves. Know that we are appointed there and too. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that you should suffer persecution. He warned them. So you get saved, it's going to be rough. 
And he said, even as it came to pass, and you know, Paul's concern was that they stand fast in the faith. There was an attack. And folks, it was an attack upon Paul, but it was an attack upon the message, and it was an attack upon Jesus Christ. And apparently this was why the rumors of immorality and false preaching were launched against Paul. Uh, those who opposed Paul and the gospel felt that if they could destroy Paul uh, and his reputation, uh, they would leave the church and some would even join forces with them against Paul. That's found in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 3 through 6. He summarizes it. Chapter 4, verse 3 through 7. He, he summarizes that he warned them. And so there's unusual shameful treatment, mockery, ridicule, cursing, verbal attacks uh, against his life because his life was righteous, which the believers had committed themselves to. In 1 uh, Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 2, the Bible says this, but even after that we had suffered before and were shamefully entreated, as you know at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. And there was much contention. Folks, probably the only thing you've got hurt in Dalton, Georgia, is your feelings when you went out knocking on doors. But these folks gave their lives, and they lost their livelihood. And some of them lost their freedom to take the gospel to that lost and dying world. What have you given up? What have you suffered? How much have you sacrificed? that the gospel might be brought. And if you do get persecuted, you, sh you should go looking for it. But praise God, you ought to at least be available to not be in who's who or on the front page of the Daily Citizen and, and maybe suffer a little reproach and carry his cross and identify with his shame and go out and represent the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We've got it made. It's going to get worse. If ungodly people get in leadership, it's going to get worse. But we should be stronger. Uh, what is strong faith? Let me just give you three things and I'll close. And I won't, I won't be long. Uh, how can the believer stand fast during trials or persecution? First of all, you need to realize this. A believer must know that he is appointed to persecution. And you need to realize that you need to have faith when it's hard to have faith. You need to have faith when the feelings are gone. You need to have faith when the focal point is not you and you're not popular and it's not easy. You need to have faith when you're in the minority and you are as a Christian. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need to realize believers are persecuted because they're not of the world. We're of a different world. And some people never get persecuted, never have any friction because they're going the same way the world's going. But if you go opposite, there's going to be some friction. And folks, I want to tell you, John chapter 15 summarizes it. I love verses 1 through 10. I especially love verse 11 where it says about the joy of abiding. I love that. Praise God, that's some of my favorite passages to read. And Be encouraged to abide in him and his words abide in you. And you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. What a blessing that is to know you can have your prayers answered. Then it says that you'll have fruit that remains for his glory. What a blessing it is to glorify God with your little old life. I mean, think about it. God has appointed you for his glory. And folks, no, you're not much, but I want to tell you something. God in you is enough for God the Father to be glorified if you'll just yield to the Holy Spirit. I love verses 1 through 11. It says, These things have I spoken to you that might have remained 
that, you, that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. What things? Verse 1 through 10. Abiding. And to, to the degree that you know God, you'll love God. And to the degree that you love God, you will obey God. You're a yielded branch. You're nothing without the vine. What, what a great picture of the Christian life. You need to know who you are. You're nothing without the vine. You're nothing without His energy, and His strength, His power. But I want you to go on down to verse 18. The Bible says this, If the world hates you, you know that He hated me before He hated you. Amen? So why should you be the most popular person in the world? Look at this, uh, verse 19. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Look at verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my sayings, they will keep you yours also. And then verse 21 and 22 summarizes it up. It says, but all these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not had, uh, they had, not had sin, but they have a cloak for their sin. I want to tell you what bothers a sinner when you take their cloak off of them. When the Word of God takes the cloak of religiosity off of them, the self-righteousness is stripped. I'm going to tell you something, folks. Most sinners get mad before they get sad, and then they get glad. Amen? That order. It's called Holy Ghost Conviction. I believe without conviction, there is no repentance, and there is no salvation. And folks, listen. They were persecuted because the world does not know God nor Christ, and they want no other God but themselves, but themselves. They want to do just what they want to fulfill their own desire, not what God wishes and demands. I tell you, we live in a wicked day, a wicked day where you mention Jesus, you mention any God on this world, but you mention Jesus and the sinners get all, they erupt. And in one accord, they go against that man of God, that vice president that proclaims that he's, that he's Christian. That he doesn't believe in same-sex marriage. He doesn't believe in homosexuality. They will persecute a vice president like that, and they have. And I want to tell you something, friend. John 16 warns us. Now, i gotta, I got to hurry, but I, gotta get the, I want you to see the foundation for his thankfulness for his church. His con commending his church, the encouragement he got from his church. You can encourage your pastor more than anything else by your strong faith and your faithfulness. I want to tell you something. Over the years, what's encouraged me more than anything as a pastor is your faithfulness. Not your tithing, not your faith promise, and thank God for it. And we just broke 100,000 Sunday, and I appreciate that. During this pandemic, that's a blessing. But I want to tell you something, what encourages me more than anything else is your faith that leads to your faithfulness. Nothing like it. When you're in the warfare, it's good to turn around and see some co-laborer, some fellow soldier still in the ranks. It's encouraging. But when they go AWOL, it'll break your heart. Several years back, I almost resigned this church 
because a group left this church. And they left talking and gossiping. One of them says, we're leaving because your invitations are too long. And I thought, well, if that's the only thing you can find against me, have at it. But it broke my heart. I tried to act tough in front of them, but when I got home, there was tears, there was brokenness. And my wife had to counsel me not to get upset. She does that often. Not to get depressed and not to get even. And folks, I want to tell you, not to get bitter. And so any preacher that stays anywhere for any length of time, they've dealt with bitterness. And a lot of preachers, 2.6 months or something like that, almost three years is the natural lifespan of a pastor because they can't handle the bitterness. They just get upset with people walking out the door and not saying bye when, they, when you won their whole family to the Lord. So we've got to do it under the Lord. You've got to keep going for the Lord, amen. You've got to love people, and you've got to really be forgiving to be in the ministry. And so Paul was so elated. This is a thank you paragraph. Your strong faith has encouraged me. Look at John 16, verse 3, real quick. The Bible says in John 16, verse 3, it says, And these things will they do unto you because they have done, they know the Father nor me, because they know not the Father nor me. Folks, a, a saved person won't persecute another saved person. But I'll tell you, the devil will really try to knock you out. Uh, back up to verse, I meant to read verse 2. So they shall put you out of the synagogues, yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God service. There's a lot of jaybirds riding around um, the United States of America thinking they're doing God a service by getting rid of the fundamental, independent, conservative, um, pro-life, pro-God, pro-freedom, pro-constitution Christian. They think they're doing a service. I want to tell you something, friend. We'll find out who God's pleased with. You better line up with God. You better line up with this blessed book. Amen. Amen. So man's idea of God is that, a, uh, that of a supreme grandfather. The, no, the normal attitude of most Christians are they are persecuted because the world is deceived in their concept and belief of who God is. They conceive God as somebody that fulfills their lust and what they want. And when God does it, they get mad. And when you preach against their sin, they definitely get mad. So they treat God as a supreme, I hate to use this word, grandpapa, because I am one. And we do spoil our grandchildren rotten. That's our calling. Then we get fed up with them and send them home. Amen. No offense, Kozales. Praise God, you got a house full of them. But, I mean, they can get away with murder with me. My, my son often said, hey, you didn't treat us like that. You wore us out if we went to sleep in church. You, you wore us out if we didn't listen. You took us to the office. I mean, Jason was telling somebody uh, that I, 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 I had Brother Randy sing a couple extra songs and took him back to the office and wore his rear end out during the song service. Man, I was a terrible father. They really turned out bad, didn't they? But I'll tell you something, friend. Man's idea of God is a supreme grandfather. Uh, they think God will protect and bless no matter what. That God is love. But I want to tell you something. God is love. But he is also just. And he is also righteous. 
And folks, the world rebels against the concept of God. Give me what I want. I'm going to tell you something. God is not your cart boy. God is not some boy at the supermarket and you're telling him what to do. He's God. And folks, he's Lord. And he's Lord of all. And so you might as well go ahead and submit and be happy in Jesus. Amen. But the world has no idea who God is or the repercussions and consequences of sin. We need more preaching against sin. And you know, a lot of people criticize me and even wrote me notes and emails and all kinds of stuff saying, hey, listen, don't mention that, don't mention that. And I want to tell you something, friend. I'll preach against sin no matter what. Amen. Not arrogantly, not, not rebelliously, but I want to tell you something, friend. Abortion is still murder. And I'll preach again. I want to put it in a bulletin. Uh, and a lady comes to me and says, how dare you put this in the bulletin? And I looked at her as kind as I could be, and I was in private when I said it. I said, just because you had abortion don't mean I can't warn the children of the future not to have one. She said, how did you know I had one? I said, because you're acting guilty. And I looked at her with love and said, I want to tell you something. There is forgiveness for what you did. But there's forgiveness if you confess it as a sin. And so don't tell me what to preach, lady, and don't tell me what to put in the bulletin. I'll put in the bulletin what God leads me to put in the bulletin. Amen. And it wasn't, it wasn't two or three weeks later, she came up to me broken and said, Preacher, thank you. I've got that thing right. I'm no longer bitter at myself. And I'm no longer full of guilt. And I just thank God that you told the truth, that you put something in the bulletin that offended me. Amen. So folks, if you'll respond to preaching, God will set you free from the consequences. Okay, i got to close, but listen. The believer, number two, must know that temptation to cave in to persecution is the tempter of Satan himself. He said it in these verses. I mean, he just said it clear and plain. He said, I'm checking on you, to, lest by some means, verse 5, the tempter has tempted you and your labor be in vain. Or our labor be in vain. He said, I want to make sure I really reached you. I'm, I want to make sure you're really a believer. I want to make sure I really did a good job pastoring. And folks, I want to tell you something. We can give in to temptation, but we won't give in to it every day. There's a Holy Ghost conviction. And folks, you can live, you, if you don't live right, there's two, two, one or two things happen. You fall out of love with God or you fall out of the fear of God. I don't want to live like I want to. Somebody said, hey, I, if, you pre, if, if I preach eternal security or eternal life, I just live like I want to. There's a problem with that. Number one, when you get saved, you don't want to. Say amen right there. And number two, you're scared to. That's South Georgia terminology. You're scared to do it because you know there's a father that'll chasten every son whom he receiveth and scourgeth. And so, number one, we need to realize that uh, the believer must know that he is appointed to persecution and that the world has no idea who God is. The world, the lost world. And number two, the believer must know that temptation to cave in or to recant or to compromise is from Satan himself. The very reason Satan launched persecution was to strike fear in the believer and to silence them. He wants to silence you. Friend, don't lose your courage and don't lose your conviction 
If you lose every election in the world, don't lose your convictions and don't lose your courage. Stand for God. And folks, when the darkest hour comes, the light needs to be the brightest and a sanctified, set up on a hilltop, light. And we need to have salt that's not lost its flavor, that has a Savior. And so the believer must know that there's labor. Number, uh, Number two is the believer must know that temptation to cave in is from the devil, the tempter. We must stand if we're going to reach the world. The devil uses desertion, AWOL, to affect many lives. Apostasy is one of the most destructive forces to the name of Christ. I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to be very explicit. Worse than the election was the news headlines that Jerry Falwell Jr. was a reprobate, a fake, and, and, and was in sexual sins, and they had to cast him out of the church and the college that his daddy started. That hurt me more than Biden getting in there, if he's going to get in there or what. Because I want to tell you something, friend, there'll be more people fall spiritually because of that than, than the president. Amen? It's worse when a president recants and a president gets fired and a president compromise or, or, or the uh, pastor compromises than a president. Uh, Jay Bird down there in Atlanta is running for office. And if you saw how radical he was, you'd pray for Ke- that Kelly Loeffner. You say you're being political. No, I'm just going to be spiritual for a second. I'm going to tell you this, friend. That guy is out of the will of God because he's supposed to be a preacher. And it's a step down to, uh, to a, if you want to be a politician from a preacher. Say amen. That's why I'm no politician and I don't look for votes to stay here or votes uh, on my messages to clear it. Folks, listen, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. And folks, that's the highest calling on this, on this earth, in my opinion, to lead God's people. And folks, listen, this guy's out of the will of God if he steps down to be a politician. Amen. Amen. We must stand if we're going to reach the world. And folks, if we desert and give up and recant and quit and get depressed because of all the politics and get, get out of church, we will cause many to fall. If I fell in sin tonight, how many young people would be disappointed? I know four that would, and I know 12 others that would, my grandchildren. If Papa went into sin, if Papa got out of the ministry, if Daddy got out of the ministry, how do you think Jason would feel? How do you think Stephen and Stephanie would feel? How do you think my daughter over in South Africa would feel? Folks, it's a tragedy. It's a tragedy when we give in and recant and retreat and go AWOL and go into sin in the spiritual realm. So he was checking on them saying, hey, you got strong faith. If you got strong faith, you won't let the world crush you because the world knows not what they're doing. They're just heathen and they're thinking they need to get saved and they think they're doing God a favor by persecuting you. And then number two, it's all because Satan is trying to persecute you and get you down. And then number three, the believer must know that the labor and message of the ministry is not empty or in vain. He said it right here. He said, and by some means the tempter has tempted you and our labor be in vain. Christ gives us eternal life. We have the privilege of living forever in heaven. But if we desert Christ and all our labor that has gone into leading somebody to Christ and discipling somebody to Christ, 
Seems like it's futile. And I want to tell you something. A lot of people need to realize that leaving the faith, leaving your first love, you don't lose it, you leave it, can devastate your spiritual leader. Paul said, I am so glad, I am so thankful that, that, that my labor has not been in vain, that my persecution hadn't been in vain, that my imprisonment, my beatings, and the stoning has not been in vain because you are strong in the faith. Folks, if you want to encourage the man of God around here, stay strong in the faith. You want to encourage every missionary that we take on, stay strong in the faith. Stay faithful. How many missionaries come home and the pastor's no longer there and half the church is not there and half of them are splitting and splattering and splitting? It's a shame and a disgrace that we can't get along with each other and the missionaries are over there depending on us to be together. What are, you, what are you holding on to? My faith should be built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and His righteousness. And when it's persecuted or it's hurt or it's challenged, it ought to make you stronger. And Paul said, I am so thankful. My joy is full. I'll get to that next week. And praise God, uh, it's, I'm just praying exceedingly night and day and God's answered my prayer. There's no greater joy, John 16, 24, than that your prayers be answered. And there's no greater joy to hear that, <laughs> listen, you want to bless your parents, you want to bless your grandparents, you want to bless your spiritual leaders, then to hear there's no greater joy, 3 John, verse 4, than to hear that my children walk in truth. Walk in truth. And folks, if you walk in truth, you walk in strong faith. You don't let the world get you down. You don't let the world discourage you. You turn off the bloomed news. I've had to do that lately. Whew. You talk about depressing. Some of y'all might be rejoicing and tuning into CNN and amen in them. I don't know what you're doing, but I want to tell you something. It's depressing of all the plans to reverse everything. And, a, and a, a, a vaccine's on the way. Well, who expedited that? Who's going to take credit for it now? Just sit in your little chair and let them feed you grapes and crown you as king if you want to. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. Blood, sweat, and tears went into that. And I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking about a spiritual warfare. God's people, which are called by his name, is the only hope we have. And you need to hold to your faith. Hold on. It was April 1988. My time's up. But I'm going to finish this illustration if the children go out in the street. But listen, in April 1988, we got 15 minutes. Don't, don't panic, parents. The Evening News reported on a photographer who was a skydiver. That's dangerous. And he had jumped from a plane along with numerous other skydivers and filmed the group as they fell and, and, and opened their parachutes. On the film, showed on the telecast though, as the final skydiver opened his chute, the picture went berserk. The announcer reported that the cameraman had fallen to his death, having jumped out of the plane without his parachute. He was so excited about the story and the filming that he 
did not put on what was essential. It wasn't until he reached for the absent ripcord that he realized he was free-falling without a parachute. Until that point, the jump probably seemed exciting and seemed very fun. But tragically, he had acted with thoughtless haste and deadly foolishness. Nothing could save him, for his faith was in a parachute that was never buckled on. His faith was in a parachute that was never buckled on. Faith in anything but an all-sufficient God can be just a tragic, just as tragic spiritually. Only with faith in Jesus Christ there we step into this danger called the world. Therefore, you jump into the world of affliction, make sure, certain your parachute of faith is in Christ, that your life is strapped tightly to Christ. Folks, my faith's not strapped to the Republican Party, even though you know my convictions. My, my faith is not based on some politician. My faith is not even based on myself. And that's what a lot of people trust, themselves. My faith is not in the Baptist church. My faith is not in some other person. My faith is not even in my wife. I have a lot of faith in her to stay right. I told her one time, I said, you leave me, I'm going with you. But anyway, listen, my faith, my faith, I want it to be strong faith, Brother Jeremy. When you get a gun pointed at your face, when you're trying to build a church in South Africa, when you see somebody brutally beat to death, and the devil wants to jump on you, he wants to discourage you, he wants to detour you, he wants to distract you, and he wants to discourage you, we have to realize where our faith should be. And that's not even in a parachute, but it's in Jesus Christ the rock of our life, the foundation of our life, the future of our life, the fountain of our life. He's all in all. And may I say He is enough. Father, thank You for the message. Use it. Lord, we thank You that strong faith bears an excellent testimony as we'll get into next week. Timothy's glowing report Helped the man of God more than anything he'd heard in a long time. Because the believers were living by faith. And they were not just living by faith. They were in intense persecution. Intense suffering. And they were still going on for God. And remembering the teaching and the training and the love of their pastor. They couldn't even be with them. Send little old Timothy to check on him. And oh, what a blessing it was to hear that they were abounding in love one for another. But they were abounding, most important of all, in faith in the living God. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I hope you got something out of chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians. God sure needed it. Matter of fact, I amen my own outline this morning. I said, glory to God, I need this message. If you don't get a blessing out of your own message, who else is going to get a message, blessing out of it? But how many would say, Preacher, I want, I want you to check on me. 
And I pray that when you check on me, and you inquire about me, and you pray for me, that you'll find out that I have strong faith. And I know I need to have more faith. And I need to have a deeper faith. And I thank God for our missionaries like Brother Jeremy and Brother Alverson that happens to be here tonight. Their faith blesses me. Their faith stirs me. Their faith encourages me. And I don't want to fail them. And I don't want to fail you. But you'd say, preacher, tonight God spoke to my heart about having more faith, strong faith in these perilous times. You need prayer in that area. Would you lift your hands high for prayer so we can have a closing prayer? God bless you and you and you and you. God bless you all over this place. Amen. I know you're the cream of the crop. Those people back there teaching, all those youngins. Thank God for the leaven that's been saved in the last four weeks. It's a blessing to see these precious little kids. Boy, did we get criticized by bringing them in. But praise God. We've got, to get, we've got to give them the gospel. Maybe there's somebody in here to say, Preacher, I knew somebody that used to have faith. I knew somebody that used to be in church, and I used to be faithful, and it was a very big encouragement to me. And they were a very big encouragement to their pastor. And now they have backslidden. Now they're out of the will of God. I wish you'd pray with me for them because it's breaking my heart that they're living with the focus on the world instead of the one on the throne. And you'd say, preacher, pray with me for them. Anybody have somebody on your heart you're broken heart about? God bless you, you and you, you. If you're a parent, I know all of us do. Amen. We're concerned about our children. We're concerned about our grandchildren. We're concerned about our nephews, our nieces. We're concerned about my sister. Oh, I pray that God would use our strong faith. Strong faith. Don't quit. Don't recant. Don't, don't compromise. Just stay the course and trust God to work. You can't change your heart, but God can. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you. For your glory we preach. For your glory we pray. And God, we just want to live by faith. Just wanted you to increase our faith. God, if there's a, a need in my life, it's to, it's to have more faith. Remember when they asked, Brother Clarence Sexton asked Brother Lee Robinson if he had any regrets. He said, I wish I'd had more faith. Oh, what a rebuke that is to me. But all of us need more faith. Father, as the disciples prayed, I'm going to pray with them. Increase our faith. In Jesus' name.